We agreed when we first brought onto this count because where our goal is to bring people in who know nothing about mushrooms is how do we get people into the door? How do we not overwhelm them with information? How do we give them a bite-sized piece of content that gets them to buy? Our best line is like 35,000 five-star reviews say that it doesn't taste like mushrooms. Boom, you're converting because they're like, all right, I've ingested enough little sentences of information that I kind of get the gist without an ad that's like, look at all these benefits. It's for everyone. I don't know who you are, but come grab it and like, you'll be happy. So we're trying to keep it clean, but it's hard to explain. That's like a huge hurdle from any agency standpoint. It's like, here's a product, really hard to explain. Please sell it as simply as possible. Coley's content creation and management platform helps the world's top D2C brands enter new channels, reach more customers, and increase conversions through smarter creative that's authentic, made for you, and meets your needs cost-effectively. Whether you're a brand marketer trying to grow on TikTok with authentic videos, or a performance marketer looking to get more images to test in your ads to improve your return on ad spend, Coley has the creators and team to shatter your marketing goals. Visit coley.com slash DTC, that's C-O-H-L-E-Y dot com slash DTC to request a complimentary consultation and get on the fast track to better content. Welcome to All Killer No Filler. Today we're here with Head of Growth from Four Sigmatic, Rick Kadot. Four Sigmatic are makers of functional coffee made from mushrooms. Today we've also brought in Pilot House founder Kyle, as well as the media buying and content marketing dynamic duo of Liam and Jocelyn. Let's start with you, Rick. How's the mushroom biz these days? Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of traction in the space and really a lot of excitement around mushrooms as a whole, right? The fruiting bodies and mycelium are all getting more attention now. And there's a lot of things happening just from you go into your local Walmart and there's mushrooms in there that like two years ago you would have never seen. Uh, you know, Lion's Mane is now being stocked in the grocery department. Uh, it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty cool. Uh, but these benefits are kind of coming full circle from like ancient China all the way back to now. They're like maybe they got something right. Very cool. What like, where are we at with the trajectory? It sounds like we're still very early days. Because I like I remember like Forcematic started in 2012 uh, from from my research here. And, you know, I remember back then there was a huge Joe Rogan push on, on mushrooms. Uh, you know, he had his own brand out and, you know, things like that. Are, are we still just in the very early stages of like widespread adoption of, of like mushrooms as functional health products? Yeah, I think with more of our competitors coming on board, there's been a really big movement of education as a whole, right? So it helps. But I would say early yeah, from a category standpoint, it's definitely not as like prevalent as whey protein or you know or something that you just kind of know as happenstance. But it's it's definitely coming into the mix, and at this point, most people have at least heard of the concept or or kind of have touched it somewhere and say, oh yeah, like X Y Z. Where five years ago, you bring these benefits up or you start talking about this, and they're like a crazy mushroom guy over there. Like oh my God, what's happening? So I'm just curious, like I was looking at some of the, you know, there's, I, we don't need to go into revenue, but you guys are a big company and you, you kind of really exploded onto the scene there in those early years. Like before, I know you're, you're more recent, uh, having been, you know, brought on just sort of in the summer, but like, what were the levers early on in, in the growth journey for, for Sigmatic? Yeah. There's a few like kind of pivotal moments that happened. One, it was our CEO, Taro really leveraged his network and some of the cool friends he had to be able to get this 
company being talked about and and really coming into the space that the people that were already consuming these products or, or these ingredients were consuming them in a really like unpalatable way. It, it was pretty disgusting, right? So then he, he came in and they had really rock solid formulations on products and originally instant coffee that you couldn't really taste any mushroom at all. And this, it was like groundbreaking, right? People that were like, so you're telling me I don't have to drink my, my dirt milkshake in the morning. And I got something that tastes like delicious coffee. And it went down the rabbit hole of how can we make it as premium as possible? So it's like, even if you don't want the benefit of all these other ingredients that we're putting in there, it's still super high quality protein. It's still super high quality coffee uh, by any standard. Uh, and I, I think that really goes a long way and it made it really easy to talk about in the beginning. And, and going back to your question, you know, those levers, podcasts, uh, exposure through sponsorships, being this cool, edgy kind of, we're pushing into a space that people haven't been in or, or don't really know about and creating this environment and this, this kind of vibe, right. In the LA scene that was just all about, we are doing things better than you even thought you could come taste it. And it just, it's, it's funny. It reminds me of like a crypto approach, you know, like if you're going to try to build something in crypto, it's all about connecting with the right people, the right channels. It's not like this brute force thing. It's like, you're really trying to cultivate a vibe and sort of like build a lot of uh, credo essentially, like with your core audience, which you did by solving this major problem for them. The, hence the dirt milkshake. Yeah. I mean, I would, I'm going to disagree with you on that one because we didn't have any uh, like floor fallout crashes, right? So we're not crypto. No. We're definitely not. <laughs> Not taking the realm of like going up and down. No. We've been pretty steady growth, which is pretty cool, you know. So, um, but yeah, to to the the main side of your point, yeah, I get I get where you're going there, um, completely. And and same same idea, you know. When 2007, you got people buying Bitcoin, and they're like, you paid two dollars for 400 of them. Like, are you crazy? Like some virtual coin that you like no one's even heard of. And now look at it, right? So mainstream adoption and consumer awareness and all these other things that just help your overall marketing efficiency uh, come into play and help that marketing mix really find its own. Can you just tell me briefly where the name came from? Do you know where? Yeah. So Four Sigmatic actually uh, relates back to the ingredients, right? So in an ingredient spectrum, you're going to have negative sigmatic and positive sigmatic ingredients as a whole. Uh, it's just products out in, out in nature. And four sigmatic is the fourth sigma, so the fourth deviation away from the norm of the most nutrient-dense studied products. Uh, and the other end of the spectrum, like negative four is like french fries, right? So you got all the products that we're putting in are our products are four sigmatic. So they're all just the highest quality, the most nutrient dense, the most researched, the most benefits. It just sounds cool. I got to say too, it's a pretty cool sounding name. So since coming on in the summer, what have, what have, how have you put your stamp on things? What are some of the changes that you made on the four sigmatic marketing side? Yeah. So I came in originally, um, with Amazon and they were, they were having definitely success with Amazon by all means, uh, but couldn't really find a footing to, grab solid traction, uh, came in, reworked some of the listings, reworked uh, really how we were looking at third-party sellers and how we're going to combat them, where before we were just, you know, kind of going out there and attacking with like letters and legal 
it's like you got to take the fight to the turf and start to push against pricing, push against uh, manipulating ads away from where more third-party sellers are popping up and start to let them know that you see when they take the buy box by dropping off DSP so there's no traffic to a page and some guy you know, in Grand Rapids that's collecting on his four bucks per can and he was making $400 a day showing all his friends how much he's making and all of a sudden you drop that out from underneath him. You're like, not today. Um, it, it starts to send a message. You start to see him go away. You start to make it more of a headache for them to sell on the channel. Past that, you know, we are a vendor central primarily vendor central Amazon company able to use the levers that Amazon allows there um, and really push forward in, in taking advantage of that whole ecosystem, which not a lot of medium to medium, large companies like us do. So that was pretty cool. And then, you know, going out of the summer, Amazon was cranking, absolutely humming going into September, moved over to DTC, um, started cleaning that up. You know, we were still from back in the beginning of this conversation, still really heavy in podcasts, uh, and to the point where we're sending out user surveys and everyone's like, how'd you hear about us? Podcast. How'd you hear about us? Podcast. So obviously everyone's just leaning in, right? Just dumping money down the channel. Uh, but because of that became very inefficient. A lot of the success we had in podcasts was because of these personalized reads and these pages that were individualized towards the podcast and really like, taking a deep dive at who that podcast is talking to and why they might be interested in our product. And when you go at scale that rapidly and you lose all that intimacy, uh, and I, you could see that in the ROI on a podcast to podcast level. So really reworking that whole strategy and, and kind of quote gutting it down to a point where you have like a whales and a shrimp kind of atmosphere, right? You got the shrimp, they're kind of swimming around. They're not really doing too much for you. But they're there in bulk. Uh, they make quite a meal. But then you got the whales out there, and when you see one pass by, it's a it's a big doozy that you have. You know, boom, pay a lot for it, lots of traction. Use it as like a CRO opportunity. Push, push, push. Uh, but but the combination of the two allows you to make like tranches of little ones that all talk to the same people, and big ones that get individualized, intimate attention. That's interesting. Do you end up paying about the same CPM for, for lower volume um, podcasts as you do for these really, for the whales? Essentially, I was just looking at a post about the Super Bowl the other day, and it was someone rationalizing the impression spend that you actually get on a Super Bowl ad. And it's like, this is actually a pretty good CPM when you think about hundreds of millions of people seeing it. I'm just curious, in the podcast world, do you, do you pay a premium for extreme volume, or do you actually pay more CPMs on those smaller placements? Uh you know, it definitely varies. It definitely varies. And you got to look at it all from this engagement rate slash their audience and their total addressable market and kind of who they're talking to. And it varies very widely. There, there definitely isn't a, a straight line answer there. Uh, to your Super Bowl point, I bet that was like a Nielsen-sponsored article. Um, <laughs> those things, man. I, uh, yeah, that's like a whole nother podcast. It depends on how viral you can make it go, I guess, right? Um, I'm sure some of the crypto sponsors are are kind of reaping, you know, the, the whirlwind from from their bold approach, but uh, we don't have any data on that, so so we won't dive into it. I, so let's go back to D to C. So you're you're you know you're you're cranking Amazon. You want to go into the D to C space. What what steps are you taking there? Yeah. So first and foremost, it was just get a lay of the land and get some analytics built out, right? It's like 
that that saying like success formula it's like uh, analysis plus capital plus execution right so you got to start with analysis and if you can't figure out where your numbers are where they're coming from you've got a heck of a problem when you start to go spend money or try to scale it up so dug it apart you know found ways to really streamline our events and streamline Google Analytics visualizations, making it so that everyone on the team could ingest the data in a way that they see instead of just a spreadsheet, right? Spreadsheet's cool. It got all the info here, but it's overwhelming. The human eye can't really take it in and trends are super hard to spot. Uh, so, so put together a bunch of different visualizations, identified trends, identified opportunities, weaknesses, and then started to push forward in finding a new agency and one that was, you know, our, our old agency, no harm to them at all, was with us for a really long time. So they definitely were experts in our space, but also not experts in where we wanted to go. Uh, so we wanted to have someone uh, that could come in and really push in any direction, right? Maybe not, maybe we're wrong. And the direction we want to go is is not the best and not the most profitable. Um, and talking to Kyle and, and the team over at Pilot House, it just kind of resonated with what we were saying for, you know, my quote was like, these guys are gunslingers. Like just straight up, like come in and get after it. And really like, uh, you know, to Liam, his credit, you know, he brings up angles and pages and different topics that he wants to go after that would never be on the radar without the, the team. So that's always fun. Always to see the results there push down uh, alleyways and angles that you have no idea if it's going to work. And then sometimes they, they hit and you're like, damn, that's cool. That's super interesting. Liam and Jocelyn, like when this account kind of came, uh, you know, under your attention, uh, were you pretty psyched to be working on uh, mushroom coffee? I think we were, we were psyched about the account, but I don't think we got as excited until we had like our information sessions with their internal team and started learning all this extra information that wasn't advertised on their website, uh, different USPs that we were like, what? Like, we can talk about this because it wasn't hit on their website. And we got so excited. Like, we have lists and lists and lists of brainstorming. Um, and there's so many different angles, as Rick said, like that. I think that's just what really amped us up. And like being able to take a, a client like this and hitting that top of funnel audience and kind of figuring out, okay, like what gets people into the door, like to a new product or to mushrooms that they would have never before. Um, so I was definitely more excited, but I think as we learned more, the more excited we got. And so it's kind of like that interesting, interesting thing of how we can mirror that in the paid advertisement space as well. Super interesting. I much like, I know uh, around things like supplements, there's such strict language around what you can use, but I also, my sense is around mushrooms and around things like neural around things that are about clarity. There's, there's less restrictions. Like there's less, is that true that there's sort of less restrictions about what you can and can't say about a product like this versus something that's more of a traditional supplement? A little bit, but you guys have such great backings and data and proof. And they, I mean, I guess we can speak to this, but they, they, they're the people who grow the products to kind of combining the products with the coffee. Like they, they make it from start to finish. So it's not like a third party. You don't know what's going on. Like they, they're very data driven in that sense and like science driven. So it's easy to make certain claims because they know what's up, but obviously we're back that a little bit more. You can also get away with a lot more at their spend level and history. Like their ad account would be ancient as ancient as the you know Chinese remedy that, that they're selling, but um, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like they have a very like an aged account, a lot of history, and and the company knows them obviously because because they are so well known. 
But I mean, certainly if someone were to just pop up with a new ad account and, and use a lot of the same content, I don't, I don't, I think the algorithms would peg it pretty fast. It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long-lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue. Order Groove integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, Order Groove gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com DTC to receive two months off your first contract. I'm always interested in, you know, you mentioned this earlier, Rick, but the like the push and pull of uh, of content, because I know I, you know, working with Pilot House for as long as I have, I know that it's a team of like creative people. And our whole hypothesis is about iteration and testing and creating these data cycles. So in that process of being scrappy, um, it's always interesting to hear when you've got these bigger, more established brands. How has that process been? Um, you know, speaking specifically about that sort of tension between us always pushing and, and what your brand is sort of willing to accept. Yeah, there's there's always going to be somewhat of a dichotomy, right? Like an established brand with people that want to push the bumpers out to the limit to figure out what lives inside of it. Um, I think going into this relationship, there was a predisposition that this is going to happen. Let's lay down the bumpers and figure it out together. And both sides really have come together in the past few months to start to find that happy medium to where Jocelyn and her team knows like, all right, this is kind of where approvals will be easy. And like, if you go beyond that, you've gone too far. Uh, so you start to feel out those bumpers that are obviously written out in brand guidelines and they're there, but you don't know them, right? Because it's, it's more, you can't go meet the person and take it out for a drink, right? It's, you can't go meet the brand. Um, and yeah, I, th I think we've done a really good job of finding that happy medium. There's been some overstepping. There's maybe been some conservative stepping, but where we're at now, right? And it's only been a couple months, um, has really found its way home uh, to creativities within the bounds of the brand. Uh, Rick, can you expand on that a little bit? I know you're running a bunch of different channels, um, you know, beyond just Facebook. Can you talk, to, I mean, as an, as an, you know, in brackets, agency owner, Still wish I was in the tools, to be honest. But um, <laughs> um, can you talk about how you manage? You guys are all managing that cross channel, and like what that experience is like. And Liam, you could touch on that too. You're obviously, you know, lead on the account. I'll go quick, and then I'll let Liam jump in. But we, you know, having Pilot House as kind of our all-in solution, which I don't, I don't think we've really mentioned, but uh, we originally went out to get Pilot House as just an Amazon agency. Uh, and then I took over the DTC side as well. And I was like, hell, if I'm going to have a new agency coming on, let's get these guys working on both sides to, again, share those omni-channel learnings, share those creative, even just keyword dumps, right? Like someone's going to go through and make a four-hour list of keywords. You should be using that across channel uh, and, and really being able to take those learnings across. So it's not just great job. Let's see how that works on Amazon. You know, you could have ones that work in Facebook and in Google or freaking Bing that are crushing that they were terrible on Amazon. But yeah, I mean, using creativity, omni-channel, we're still moving towards our like omni-channel, omni-channel where it's going to be like, you know, retail and wholesale and Amazon and DTC and, and funnel position awareness where you got Amazon taking that top of funnel. You got DTC creating community through members and subscription. And then you got retail where it's just like, you know, out in the wild, 
ease of purchase for folks that are just out in a store that are looking at coffee and willing to try competitive product that has a little bit more pizzazz. Love it. Holistic approach. What are you seeing on the platforms from this approach, Liam? We've seen a lot of cross-pollination between you know Facebook, Google, Amazon. Even last week, we were talking about functional creamers, which is a product that we just launched in, in December. It was a huge, like a, a big performance boost for us out of the gate. Um, it's not available on Amazon yet. And it's one of the few products that we're pushing on Facebook and Google that Amazon isn't pushing yet. And we're like, you know, Clifford and I were going through Amazon search terms and the branded creamer searches on Amazon follow the exact same path as when creamers went out of stock. And you can just see like, as soon as we pause spend on Facebook, the, the daily searches on Amazon decreased by like 90% or something or something along those lines. And when you really take a step back and digest that, it's like that type of momentum can be replicated for even more than just DTC. Like a something we haven't even really touched on a ton yet is four six like retail growth and understanding that like there's people who are seeing these ads and you know they may not convert on Facebook or Instagram, but they're going out to convert elsewhere. And and we're we're definitely you know in trying to interpret that whole ecosystem, cross pollinate across you know Facebook, Google, Amazon as much as possible. I, I know, you know, we always love to rock the content marketing and funnels via, you know, potentially by landing pages and things like that with a product where edu- it's it's still novel for a big section of the population. Jocelyn, how important has education been in the funnels that we've kind of created? It's a big factor, but oddly enough, we actually haven't been leaning into it tremendously because we kind of agreed when we first brought onto this account because where our goal is to bring people in who are first time customers and know nothing about mushrooms is how do we get people into the door? Like, how do we not overwhelm them with information? How do we give them like a bite-sized piece of content that gets them to buy? Exactly. Like get them to buy that first bag and realize, wow, like this is amazing. Like our best line is like, I don't know, three, 35,000 five-star reviews say that it doesn't taste like mushrooms. Bam. Like that, that's what get people in the door. So we don't have to explain all the little details. Like this will help you a little bit. So it's kind of like easing into that process. Like we've really been taking like those one liner approaches and then our pages obviously expand on the more informational side, not as knit and gritty as their website does as the four sigmatic website, but we kind of did that intentionally so we can kind of ease people into the process, ease people into the funnel and kind of introduce this new concept that you can have mushrooms in your coffee and it's this amazing thing. Um, But we're getting there. We're building things out slowly. So Cool. On the brand side, Rick, how do you think about education? I mean, you know, there's there's a few different ways to think about it, right? So obviously you've got, and we've started to rework this and Liam and Jocelyn and I have been working a lot on taking that top of funnel, those top of funnel campaign lines as a whole and making sure that they have different touch points. So maybe it's still the microdosing, but it's three different microdoses so by that fourth touch point where it's like, oh, and now we're on sale boom, you're converting because they're like, all right, I've ingested enough little sentences of information that I kind of get the gist without an ad that's like, look at all these benefits. It's for everyone. I don't know who you are, but come grab it. And like, you'll be happy. And and it's just erratic uh, in general. So we're trying to keep it clean, but it's hard to explain, right? Like, can't even really explain it on this podcast. So, like, you know, that's that's like a huge hurdle from any agency standpoint. It's like, here's a product, really hard to explain. Please sell it as simply as possible. Uh, and, and yeah, don't use more than 20 characters. Yeah, learn, yeah. learn the whole business in 10 seconds and double my sales and double my margin, totally. 
Actually, on that note, it's pretty it's pretty rare to have everyone you know on, on this public. Like guys, maybe like in the spirit of all killer no filler, um, in, in looking at time here, like what are three things that the three of you have been able and the other teams, you know, the Google to Amazon team, like what are, what are three things that you guys could could recommend? you know, others from the learning uh, that they could take away and apply to their business and, and campaigns. I would, I would start by talking about offer composition, which is a, a really big one, like under the whole umbrella of, of education is like sometimes, sometimes it's less about how you're positioning a product as much as it's what products are positioning together. Because especially for something like this, where like you look at coffee, you look at protein, those are, those are types of products where there's a, a lot of like people don't want to switch from their current coffee brand or their current protein product brand. And for us to try and sell you like a bag of coffee means that we're competing with whatever's in your cupboard right now. Same thing for, for protein powder. And so there's like, like sometimes the best way to sell someone coffee or sell them protein is to sell them more of a complementary product first. Creamer is a good example of that, not to, to hype too much on creamers, but um, like we're not asking you to switch. We're asking you, like, if you're drinking, you know, like a whole bean mom and pop shop coffee that you had been for 10 years or, or whatever brand you're using, you don't have to switch to try this. Like, you can get the same benefits from the same ingredients in a different type of product. And the best way to sell that person coffee is to sell it to them on their second or third purchase. Um, and so really just trying to think about more of like a Trojan horse uh, approach where it's like, it might not be that efficient to push certain types of products as purchase number one, but think of that as more of the, uh, you know, purchase two, three, or four type, type thing. And just also want to quickly call out, um, I've never seen uh, repeat uh, customer numbers like four or six ads. It's like an 80% return in customer rate. Um, so the, the once we have them, and like that speaks to the quality of the product, it's like, so that first purchase and understanding like where are there higher barriers that we can avoid for efficiency sake uh, and just, like sort of get our foot in the door. It's a really good point. Like I almost have like a visceral reaction when I think of like not having my coffee. Like I have coffee is such a ritual for me. I have such a visceral reaction to like, oh, replacing it seems like such a big life choice. But to just get some of the benefits of the product through a creamer, because I put cream in my coffee every day is a really smart move. And then like you say, a Trojan, Trojan horse is the mushrooms right in there. What about on the creative side, Justin? I was curious, like what, you know, it's awesome that we've, we've developed this creative uh, relationship where, it, where it's working, but what, what kinds of creatives are working best? Is it UGC, like on, on a lot of accounts? Pretty much. It's a little bit of both. Like, you know, we have our range, like our package of like, you know, you get a little bit of sprinkling of each and you get both. But yeah, definitely like scrappier UGC is what's thriving on this account. Like that's the first thing we told them. We we're like, yeah, you send us the product. We will pump out the UGC. Like we're all excited. And like one of our top, like performing ads is just a video of a dog carrying the four sigmatic coffee in his mouth, like, and just like dropping it off. Like there's no context, no overlay, super simple. Just it's a scroll stopper. Right. Um, and so it's like little things like that. Like what, what's, what's a scroll stopper, people opening a box and freaking out, um, and really like hitting that social proof. But then there's also that one element that's kind of echoing across all of our accounts. And we're seeing it obviously in four sigmatic is this like monochromatic, vibe this is very like a very much like a creative person talking but it just kills every single time like you have everything that looks aesthetically pleasing you have the background being the same color as the 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 product and the text being the same color and it just it lands every time people just love it it's kind of like that 
you know, we love the aesthetically pleasing, like ASMR vibes that just kind of appeals to those senses. So we kind of have that range of the scrappy, the raw, the organic, the scroll stopping to like the polish, the pretty, the like, you kind of want to stare at it for a little bit. And it's great because it works on this account. Some accounts really struggle to hit that like branded polished content, but it's really exciting to see some of that or most of that landing and forcing that to stick out, which makes my job exciting because I get to create more of it. But going back to what Kyle said is maybe one tip of um, what to take away is like simpler, the better, obviously, like in our account, like here, there's so many products and you can easily get overwhelmed. And so our biggest job when we, we got onto the account was figuring out how we can make that change or make that purchase a little bit more simple. So, you know, utilizing our landing pages to just give three different options or one option, even our top page has one bundle on it and it's been number one for quite some time. Um, and just narrowing it down be like, this is going to do great for your life. Here's your options, direct to cart. That's like the golden word. Um, so that's really what's been thriving, uh, across accounts and even like on first semantic, especially anything from you over there, Rick. Hey, you know, same, same sentiment, simplicity kills. Don't worry too much about telling everything about your product on the first touch. Um, also legal disclaimer, don't feed your dog mushroom coffee. Is that it? Okay. Uh, I won't, I was, I wasn't planning on it. Uh, it's funny. My partner got some, uh, last week, actually, she didn't know I was even going to jump on this podcast, but she's, she's on the train. Have you made the switch, Rick? Yeah. I mean, this have this energy is from perform coffee and just, you know, freebasing it on the side here. Because coffee, coffee just steals your energy from the future, right? That's the whole, that's the grift of coffee. Like coffee bean coffee just sort of steals your energy from later. I don't really know, right? Because I come from a world of venture capital. So if you just keep the pedal down, you never find the, the place where it just is stealing from. You just got to grow more the next day. Well, we got, I got to ask you this question. We, we often ask if someone has a good scrappy marketing story. And I heard a little something about like potentially your founder at an event and Tinder. Was there, was there a story? Was there a scrappy marketing story that you could relate? Yeah. Um, I don't really know how much I should go into this, but here we go. Um, they were at an event and the founder made a Tinder profile just to get more leads, uh, in the retail space. Um, He's, he's good looking Finnish guy. Uh, it worked. Uh, that's like, I'll try to keep it like super straightforward. But uh, yeah, we, there's been the early days. They definitely, uh, they were super scrappy. They did what they needed to do to bootstrap and grow it. Right. Like think about that growing a company this side, straight from your own hard work. Uh, it's pretty cool. They're sleeping in the office and doing like, you know, the normal grind you hear about it. Love it. That is super cool. I got to ask this question too. This is like a stock question we ask all the podcast guests. But uh, if if we were to grant you $50,000 to be used in your marketing budget like this month or next month, where would you put that in your in your marketing budget sort of top of your head to to see the, the biggest growth? I mean, it's it's so small. Yeah, I guess um, so for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, just watch it. Evaporate. Facebook top of funnel. Yeah, Facebook top of funnel, baby. Two hundred fifty all day. It's a, it's a quarter of a mil. Yeah. a cool quarter of a mil call. Yeah, top of funnel, seed the pond. You, you'll benefit from it for the next three months. When you have an eighty percent retention rate, definitely. Yeah, sample, sample, sample. Amazing. We'd run a we'd run mushroom coffee feed your dog ads. Do not. You got to go against. <laughs> You got to go against type. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on All Killer No Filler today. This was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so go to forcesigmatic.com if you want to grab some of coffee. I'm going to get on the coffee. I'm going to see what I'm like with neural enhancements. 
Uh, I'm going to get on it pretty soon here, so watch out, world. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.